This is episode 005 of The Routine. Each week we bring you personal stories and powerful insights from leading entrepreneurs, athletes and creatives, helping you to unlock your true potential. Joining me as always is Rockpool co-founder Zubair Timon. At Rockpool, we are passionate about helping guys on their path to looking and feeling their best selves. We believe that a thoughtful routine and positive habits, when practiced consistently, hold the key to unlocking the mindset to do amazing things. We have set out on a mission to meet and spend time with dynamic, creative, and successful guys to observe their daily routine and look for insights to the tools and tactics that they use to propel themselves forward. Today we are chatting with Dan Van Duren, co-founder of The Surf House here in Dubai. The Surf House is many things to many people. It's a great cafe for meeting and chilling with friends. It's a surf shop reminiscent to the surf shops that many of us grew up with around the world. A chilled out space selling all the summer essentials uh, and elements to complement a coastal lifestyle like board shorts, bikinis, sunglasses, surfboards, leg ropes, fins, you name it. For the beach, they've got it. They also do equipment rentals, getting hundreds of people into the water every week on surfboards, stand-up paddles, hydrofoils, uh, and more. But more than anything, the Surf House is an authentic and super strong community of like-minded people that find peace, happiness, and camaraderie through their shared love of the ocean and a healthy, active lifestyle. We got started chatting with Dan and hearing about the early days of surf culture in Dubai. So, um, yeah, I was born in Bahrain, um, which back then was not a very well-known country. Um, and that was in, yeah, 86. Um, and then shortly after that, I uh, moved to Dubai in uh, 87, actually. So I only lived in Bahrain for a year. Um, my dad at the time was working for Gulfair, which was the local airline in Bahrain. And then Emirates Airlines started up. In, um, yeah, I think it was 86, 87. So he was the first recruitment of pilots um, wow. to come over to Dubai. Um, and again, Dubai, no one knew about Dubai back then. So it was a very much, a, you know, unknown country. I think Emirates put Dubai on the map. Um, and that's what kind of brought us over here. Wow. So, yeah. See, the Saudis are just um, setting up their own airline right now to oh, compete yeah. with Qatar and uh, Emirates and stuff like that. It's wow. like so important that national carrier i think that yeah it, it kind of put you know qatar dubai you know all those airlines definitely put it on the map Big so time. yeah so you're like one year old moving to dubai yeah your dad has just started as a pilot for for emirates mm-hmm. yeah and then um so yeah then went to school here um grew up in a place called uh, chicago beach village which was a, a compound where madinat jamira hotel is at the moment so before that big development, there was uh, about uh, 300 houses uh, where all the expats lived. Dubai was a very small place. Um, you know, everyone knew everyone. Um, and then there was this kind of little haven that we grew up in. It was right on the beach. Um, you know, the pier that sits out there now with the fish restaurant? I think yeah. it's still there. Pier Chic. It's the pier Chic. So that pier was still there. A little bit more run down when we lived there. But that was kind of our, you know, little like, haven. Um, so grew up on the beach. Uh, you know, fishing off that pier um, and then learning how to surf. Uh, surfing was a big part of our lives. My brother used to surf. All of our friends surfed. But back in the day, you couldn't get surfboards because um, there were no shops, no suppliers. So we used to have to get all of our stock from from Australia, America, you know, wait weeks for, you know, my dad to fly over there uh, on one of his flights and then bring it back. And if you broke it, you know, you'd have to wait another trip. 
So it was very, uh, it wasn't very accessible. So um, no, no, no surf shops, no, no surf shops, no real surf culture. It was probably about, you know, 15 to 20 max surfers in the whole um, country at the time. So it was very, very unique, um, but it was a perfect place to kind of grow up surfing because the waves were nice and small, nice and mellow. We didn't have sharks, we didn't have reefs, you know, any of that kind of danger. So it was a really good place to learn how to surf. What were the nationalities of the families of the of the kids that you were hanging out with and the and the Yeah, so it was all expat kind of families. Um, you know, have Australians, New Zealanders, uh, South Africans, um, yeah, people from all walks, Brazilians. So it was mainly there was actually no local surfers back then, um, except one. Um, yeah. So it was very, very new to the country. And I think that's kind of what, you know, grew the idea of growing Surf House was to bring all of those products um, that you can get from a rest, you know, around the world and bring them here and make it accessible to everybody else. You, I'm imagining you as sort of pre, not preschool, like primary school age, starting to come up to like high school age, 12, 13. You've got your, your crew of, of friends. And was like, what about the consistency of the swell? Is it, is it the same as it is today or was it, was it different? Did you, how often were you getting waves? Yeah, good question, actually. So Dubai um, never used to have the, the Palm Island and the World Islands. Um, so we used to get waves along the whole coast. So all the way from Jebel Ali, you know, up to Ras Al Khaimah. Um, and you could just surf any of the beaches and pick and choose. And they all had, you know, different conditions, different wave types. Um, but then they started building the world, the Palm. And it blocked all of that waves. Um, so now we have Sunset Beach, where Surf House is located, and uh, Nikki Beach. Um, and those are the only two surf spots left in Dubai. Um, so yeah, over the years, just slowly kind of, you know, losing all of those spots. We're very thankful that we still have that Sunset Beach available. Um, and Nikki Beach now is private as well, so you have to pay 5,700 dirhams to, to surf there. Um, but yeah, so we did used to get, I, I'd say, better quality waves. Uh, I remember... I don't know if it was because I was smaller and younger, but uh, the waves just seemed a lot bigger back then. Um, so that pier I was talking about, the waves used to hit the top of that pier, which is about 12 feet, 12, 15 feet. So mm -hmm. some days we'd, we'd have those winter swells where it's really windy and really big and messy. And I remember those waves like hitting, crashing on top of the, the pier. Um, so yeah, we, we did used to get, I think the consistency, I wouldn't say would be, would have been more consistent. It would have been the same. It's just, we had more options. Yeah. Um, less restrictions with the, yeah. the islands. Yeah. So like you said, like it's, it was probably a good place to learn to surf because it's relatively um, friendly conditions. Yeah. But then the, the, the drawback is yeah, the inconsistency. Yeah. Unlike it. Australia where it's, the waves are technically breaking each like, and every day. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. And um, that was a, actually a big challenge of our business. I don't know if we want to discuss that later on. But it's because the consistency, we don't get waves every day. So we really had to think outside the box um, rather than just a, a surf school where you'd find in, in Euro Europe or Australia where they just have waves every day. And that's what they'd be doing mm. from, you know, seven to five o'clock, just teaching surf mm. lessons. So I think so we, we'll, yeah. we'll get more into the business well, soon. But yeah. um, also, like, of course, we're soon going to talk about your business partner, Scott. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, was he part of the original 30 families living in the, in the same? That's right. He was. He, he um, used to live in Chicago Beach Village as well. And he, he was one of those, um, you know, small community of surfers that were the original as well. So, wow. so yeah, there wasn't many. And where is Scott um, from? Uh, Scott's Brazil. Okay. Brazilian. Okay. So you and Scott and your, your group of friends, uh, I guess, you've, you've grown up down where Madanat is, is now. You're surfing across the whole 
um, coastline of, of Dubai. Um, you're in high school and you're already you're starting to feel like there's a, there's a business opportunity. Um, you can't get the boards, you can't get the board shorts. You know, you're having to bring them in with, with people flying, flying, flying abroad. Um, when, when, would the first, when did the COGS first start turning that maybe you could open a surf shop essentially? Yeah, so um, it was actually Scott who started the business in 2005. Um, he bought a couple of foamies. Um, and that, the idea was just to give tourists, Russian tourists at the time, we used to have a lot of Russians coming and visiting Dubai, uh, just teaching them how to surf basically. So introducing them to the sport. Um, so I think he had about eight to 10 boards on his Jeep Cherokee and he'd just drive around from beach to beach. There was a beach called Russian beach at the time, um, where they all used to hang out. So he'd set up his boards and just give them surf lessons. Um, at that time I was at university in Australia, um, in 2005. And then as soon as I graduated, I came back and joined Scott and started giving surf lessons with him. So it kind of started very, you know, grassroots, um, from the basics. I think yeah. like what, what I always think of when I first moved to Dubai, there were things that were not here. And I had friends that were um, frustrated or they felt like, uh, you know, it's, it's not the same as where they've come from, whether it's Europe or America or Australia or whatever. But for me, I never felt like that. I always felt like, oh, there's, there's something's missing here. Or maybe there's a chance to, to do something here and, and, and actually, um, you know, make a small business out of what's, what's missing here. So did you, did you have the sense that when you're in Australia to think like, well, hey, you know, a lot of this infrastructure around the sport is not, it doesn't exist back in, in Dubai. And maybe if you, you or you and Scott could uh, deliver on that. A hundred percent. I think that was, you know, we saw a niche. There was nobody else doing it at the time. So it was a monopoly, which was fantastic for us to get into the market first. Um, a lot of actually a few other companies did try and, and follow suit afterwards. Um, but I think because we got our foot in the door there first, we, we grew up here. It's kind of our home. It's our passion. Um, we, we survived, you know, through the, the tough times as well. Um, but it was definitely a niche market back then. And that was an opportunity. And I think, like you said, when you first came here 10 years ago, 12 years ago, yeah. Um, yeah. there was a lot of opportunity, right? Um, a lot of things that you saw around the world that hadn't been done here. Um, and I think we got in at the right time. To, so, yeah. so we can see the surf house now. Um, and what it's what it is what it is to 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 many people today, and the business that you've created. When when did the surf house come about? And I, I know where it is now is not the original home. So can you t- tell us a little bit about the original surf house and 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 how the, the you know the story of that, and then how it grew into to the business today? Yeah, definitely. So it was actually it was called Surf Dubai um, before, and that's when Scott was running it um, with his surfboards and Jeep Cherokee. And then, um, out we, of the, of the house, the villa. So down. that was before the house, oh, Okay, before the house. So that was, uh, it was just uh, straight up surf Dubai. Um, and then, um, we kind of grew into a trailer. So attached a trailer to the car and that was the, the storage. Uh, so I used to drive around and park that everywhere. That was all branded up with, you know, surf Dubai. And then, um, one morning we stumbled across at sunset beach, uh, a two let sign on this villa, which was literally you know, 200 yards from the beach. So it was like the perfect location. So we called up the landlord and um, made him an offer. Um, and that was in 2008 when the recession hit. So it was, you know, prices went down and we were lucky enough to, to rent that place. Um, and that then became Surf House Dubai. Um, everyone used to come to that house and let's go, oh, let's go to Surf House, let's go to Surf House. So we 
changed that name and added in the house, Surf House Dubai. Um, and that went on for, I think, about eight years. We stayed at that location. And back then it was a, a purely a meeting place or it was a hangout spot. Were you, were you doing any of the retail or cafe back then from yes, that location? So that's actually, actually from the trailer is when we first started the, the retail. So we used to open up the doors and then it was like proper backyard trading, you know, like where Quicksilver started up. Um, we used to have like racks on in the trailer and, and display our leashes and deck pads. And so it was like a proper, you know, the surf kind of roots of, if you, if you read the story about Quicksilver, that's exactly how they started, um, you know, in the back of a, a truck, just selling wetsuits and, and you know, accessories and t-shirts and stuff. Um, so that's where the, the shop started. But then when we moved to the house, um, it was a lot bigger. You know, we actually opened up a proper shop um, with surfboards and, and the full works. Interesting. <laughs> I think because I think back then I, yeah, I've definitely met you and met the guys, uh, the crew that was hanging out at the, that surf house back then. I don't think I ever bought anything or I never saw the retail. Or maybe I, maybe I'm maybe I'm mistaken. Yeah. So when when you came into the house, there was the the terrace area yeah. um, with all the rental boards, and, and we used to offer storage um, for members so they could keep their stand up paddle boards there. Um, and then when you walked into the house on the left, there was an office where we basically Scott and I just you know did the grind and then when you went, moved to the right was where the shop was if you remember uh, kind yeah, of yeah. yeah and then on the other side was where we lived um so we had the surf house and then half of it was our our living kind of quarters so we'd basically just be working you know all day and then crash at night on the other side of the house get up to our shenanigans parties whatever it was and then wake up the next community morning community building community building that's it it's a good way of putting it yeah um and so even even back then like what was the split between sort of surf um rental surf activities and then retail um so back then the retail was still quite young um it was it was just developing so i'd say our most business was from renting and from lessons um, and then the retail stuff really kind of kicked off when we moved into the new house, which is the new location uh, where we have is still existing at the moment. Um, and that's when yeah, our retail kind of boomed. Yeah. How did, how did that happen? What, how, was, how did you take that step from relatively organic, relatively almost gorilla, um, coming out of the villa, out of the back of the van? Then how did you take that, um, that step forward in the business to then set up a a bit more of a professional operation to, to which you still have today. So actually, um, that villa that we were uh, using before was, uh, it wasn't a commercial villa, it was a residential villa. Um, and it was a very local area. So a lot of, um, yeah, there were, you know, locals and we had a lot of girls in bikinis coming through in the door. Um, so actually, they, they shut us down because of the fact that it was in a local area. Yeah. So, so you actually, you got to a point where... You were forced to close. We we almost got so busy and so, I guess, you know, successful in a way that we had so much traffic coming into the house that we yeah. just generated so much uh, noise about it. And so that kind of then forced us to relocate. Um, so for about six months, we had no location. Um, we weren't allowed anyone coming through that old surf house. And again, stumbled across another villa, which at the time was a dentist place. Um, and, you know, we walked into the villa, there's dentist chairs everywhere, divisions, you know, it was, it was a very different place to what it is now. Um, so again, we gave the landlord an offer and um, knocked down a few walls here and there and 
created Surfhouse 2.0. And now, the, the, so the present Surfhouse as it is at the moment, it's, it looks to me like to be quite dynamic. You have F&B, you have a fully fledged cafe, um, you have all of the retail going on, you have um, the lessons and the, the rentals, um, you have some sophisticated crafts, uh, different, different things for people to, to, to rent and buy, I, I presume. Can you give, give me a bit of an idea about the, the breakdown of the business at the moment? Yeah, sure. So we have, um, I think you just mentioned the F&B. That was one aspect that we were missing um, in all of the other locations that we had. We never had that um, food and, and food is a big part of our lives. Especially when you've got so, this big community in the hangout space, but that's if, it. if you're not providing them with... Uh, that is exactly yeah. it. So we, it's kind of a full circle, you know, we'd, we'd introduce the person to surfing. Um, then they could come and buy and rent their equipment. Um, and then the only thing missing was that food. So everyone would come to us in the mornings, do their activities, rent boards, and then they'd just, you know, spread and, and go and get food and, and then move on with their day. Whereas now they can do that right at our shop, um, eat healthy food that's affordable. And then we have the office space as well where they can just, you know, kind of stay. So, so it's that full circle and keeping the customers there and the community there. Um, so that was a great kind of aspect of our business. Um, so we've got the, the F&B the rental side, the service side where we're teaching um, people how to surf and then the retail. Um, we also do yoga as well um, in the shop. And yeah. So I guess like I'll talk a little bit now about um, the community um, because I think like a lot of people who maybe be thinking about starting a business or who are starting a business, I'll think about, well, how can they sort of build a community of users or a tribe of people who can sort of buy into what they're doing? Um, but not, you know, the way that you guys are, are doing it and pulling it off and it can only be done with such authenticity because you guys are nothing but authentic you know, from the story that we've heard today of you guys growing up right on the beach to then moving to be right on the beach to having things existing right out of your, out of your home. Like this is the most authentic story you could, you could ever imagine. Um, but that being said, like, you know, this, this community of people who appreciate the surf house and they appreciate beach culture and, and everything like that, it has just transcended further than, than the core of, of surfers. Are you, are you conscious of the community that you're building? Are you, are you um, proactive in sort of the nurturing of that community or it's just so authentic that, it, that it's just, that it just spreads? Um, I think, um, yeah, it was definitely basically our passion. Um, and I think that was the, the main thing that we just did what we loved. Uh, we just did what we, you know, lived and, and breed every single day. And then that just came naturally. Um, so we didn't actually like think, okay, how, how are we going to create this community? And um, how are we going to make it strong and, and grow it? We just kind of lived and breed what we did every day. And then we wanted people to come and, you know, be part of that, that uh, life. Um, exactly. And share that life with other families and... Yeah. And you can see it through the menu that you guys developed and the, the food that you're serving there. It all builds into the same healthy uh, lifestyle from, from, the, from the yoga that you're hosting upstairs. I can just, yeah, it's just like this holistic um, offering that, that is just perfectly encapsulates the beach culture. And I, th I think, you know, it grew organically as well. And we didn't force it, which was, um, I think, a big uh, part of it. We... We didn't try hard, you know, it wasn't like a, so for example, someone said to me, why don't you try kite surfing? Kite surfing is a bigger business than surfing. 
but personally, I have nothing. I don't know anything about kite surfing. I don't know how the first thing about flying a kite. So I can't then go and sell that to somebody else. So, you know, I, I wouldn't sell somebody a board that I wouldn't use myself, um, for example. I wouldn't sell somebody yoga if I didn't do it myself. Um, so everything that I, Scott and I do is, is, is what we, it, it's on the table, you know, and so that's... Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. What about, what about challenges? If, you know, it seems to be like a, a quite a straightforward story so far, but I'm yeah. sure you faced um, um, challenges along the way. A hundred percent, yeah. Um, challenges, for example. Um, and I think the biggest thing that has kind of helped us through those challenges is the community. Um, for example, in the recession, 2008, a lot of businesses closed down in Dubai. Um, a lot of people went downhill. For our business, we were lucky. It actually went the opposite way. And that's where that community were there to support us. Um, so everything that we gave them, they, they, they gave back to us during those tough times. Um, and same with this pandemic um, recently. Um, our business has just kind of um, taken off um, and, and gone the opposite way. And again, um, it's all thanks to the community. Um, yeah, so they, you know, they want to support local business. They want to support people who are, you know, doing what they love best. And Absolutely. they want to be a part of part of that as well so it's fairly rare that someone would if you if would get passionate about the about the loss of a business for example but i'd say if you guys were for to ever close or to not be there people would it'd be really upset and a big part of what they love about dubai would not be there anymore yeah it's uh, true i think i agree on that for sure mm. um and then so other other times challenges would be definitely when they ban surfing um in dubai um, I think that was probably our biggest challenge. We basically had no business um, for for months and months. Um, but again, we didn't give up. We could have easily just, you know, gone and got a nine to five job like all of our other friends. But it's because what we we you know super passionate about and, and believed in, we kept on going. I mean, sticking with that theme of challenges. So you strike me as a person of the water, you know, and let's rewind back to eighteen months ago. Covid hits no more access to the sea. What is that like for you personally? I'm assuming that you have some type of eyeline out into the ocean as well. That was a super, super challenging time. Um, my house is right on the beach, so we can see the, the ocean from, from my window. And um, lockdown came in, and obviously we weren't allowed to go on the beaches, right? So I was just watching out my window, just kind of dreaming of, you know, there was actually days with waves as well, where there was empty, no one in the water. Um, it was like torture. But... Um, I started ice baths. So that was my, my savior um, to, to still get into the water but, and get that feeling of, you know, submerging your head underwater and kind of just being, yeah, still in, in one with water. So ice baths was my savior for that. Oh, wow. So just to that clarify, was, you went out there, bought one of those huge... Chest, chest freezer, actually. Okay. Um, so the, you know, the ones that you keep all the frozen food in, um, just put, filled that up with water and turned it on. Um, the water temp got down to about three, four degrees, and just to sit in there for about 10 minutes. Um, Wim Hof was a big inspiration. So I think uh, Wim Hof became very, very popular in, um, during lockdown because it was something that people, you know, kind of looked for and strived for. So yeah, ice bus was a big... Could you tell us a little bit of the, the benefits of, of the breathing, the Wim Hof breathing, and then also the ice bath? Uh... Yeah, sure. I mean, um, it's, I think the benefits of it are, you know, endless. There's, there's, there's so many you know, arthritis. Um, your, your muscle recoveries, um, just, just mental health. Um, it's, 
super challenging to get in there at the start. So if you can overcome that, um, I think, you know, it helps you with challenges throughout your life as well. Um, and yeah, I just did it with my friends. Um, every morning kind of just dipped in there for 10 minutes and you just feel like a, a new person as soon as you come out. Um, That's amazing. So, yeah. It's great. It's great for us. We, we host this podcast about every week um, and we speak to, you know, dynamic, creative, successful guys. And this is the second um, conversation we've had about ice baths, uh, cold showers slash ice baths. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it seems, seems super interesting. Um, have you tried it? I have not. You I've tried, I've tried the Wim Hof breathing. Okay. Um, and I, I, I definitely get the sense that I believe absolutely everything that you're, you're saying and yeah. others are saying about the ice bath. I'd love to try it. Yeah. I haven't tried it yet. Come over. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we got the ice bath on 24 seven. So it's, yeah. yeah. It's interesting that you said as well about the, the friend, um, the friends to help you to sort of, um, you know, a lot of the time when we're talking about routine, we, we're thinking about like a lot of it ties back to fitness or health. And I always think to myself, like, you know, the best way to get me out of bed early in the morning and on a bike or on a running track or whatever is if I've made a commitment to a friend. True. Do you know what I mean? To do it by yourself, it's a little bit harder. But, yeah. Um, yeah, if a friend's there to help push you along, exactly. it, it just helps with that kind yeah. of motivation. That yeah. I think that leads me on to my next question, which is, it's fascinating because I, I had I had a feeling that you'd have some type of experience during the lockdown, which encouraged you to push your own fitness, right? And obviously, we've just met literally 30 minutes ago. Yeah. But you strike me as being a problem solver, right? So there is a situation, it can be COVID hitting, no access to the beach. It can be license being revoked, but you're in that mode where you're constantly finding solutions. So would you say that's an accurate... Yeah, 100%. You know, I think um, as we kind of talk about that routine, I think it's really important to have that morning ritual, that morning routine that sets you up for the day. But you need to be ready for challenges that might, you know, um, I have a family of four kids, so I might not, um, you know, one of them might be ill. So I might miss out on my morning swim, for example, but I need to be mentally ready and, and kind of prepared that I might not be able to get that morning swim in. So if I don't get that swim in, it's still okay. You know, it's not the end of the day. Whereas when people get into that routine a little bit too much and then they miss out, they get, you know, super off, kind of their day is really off. So being able to, you know, prepare yourself for things that might not happen the way you want, it's, it's super important. So to be adapt, you know, adaptable. Um, yeah. but it, I'm not sure if you're still going, but is that anything that you need, yeah. you work on, like to, to have this ability to be flexible and to be, to allow yourself to not um, get too, too caught up on, I think it's um, um I think it's finding alternatives, um, which is, you know, something that's you get the same kind of sensation, the same feeling, but it might not be exactly that same, you know, activity or or routine that you do, but it's finding, you know, that, that same rush, for example, adrenaline rush that you get from riding a wave. Um, I might find that on sandboarding, for example. I've just started up a sandboard company um out here. Um so just to get that rush of of kind of going down on a board and getting that speed um, when there's no waves, sandboarding you know, is a next alternative. So it's kind of you know, adapting and finding other things to, to get that buzz or that rush or that feeling that you, you know, strive for. Yeah, and, and it's looking at those alternatives as well, right? So yeah. even if I look at the business, you started off in one segment, then diversified across the board. And this is a question I typically ask most of our guests. I think it's fair to say that you've been successful 
and kudos on all the success that you, you and your team have yeah. achieved. Why do you think you've been successful? Um, I think one of the main things would just be being persistent and, and not giving up. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to give up when things get tough, basically. Um, and I think that fitness and, and pushing yourself mentally and, and physically has really helped kind of, um, you know, control those, those, those moments where you think, oh, I've just had enough. I just want to give up. Um, you know, it's just it's, instead of going the easy way, you, you, you just keep pushing. And once you do that, that's when the benefits start to happen. That, that's, what, that's what I found. Um, I think for me, persistence would be probably the key. Yeah. For sure. And I think that's definitely a big element of it. Maybe have a slightly different take on it, if you don't mind. Yeah, right? please, please, yeah. So for those of you like tuning in, like you're definitely a cross between Thor on a surfboard, right? So I'm definitely getting those Liam Hesworth vibes, right? So very calm, very articulate. Um, and I don't usually look at websites and these things, but I'm a novice when it comes to surf. So I actually have a lot of questions for you on that particular topic, right? Yeah. But I visited your website and I found something that was really interesting when I looked through your teammates. And I was listening into the conversation between you and Laith. And I think that the one thing that really struck me, if you ask me why you've been successful or an element, is inclusivity. So when I look at your team, you actually practice what a lot of companies wish to preach. You have a diverse workforce, you have multiple nationalities, right? Yeah. And they all seem like they really enjoy working at Surf House. And when you've gone through the tale of how you've grown the business from where it was to where it is, you're often referencing people alongside you, shoulder to shoulder. And often it's we, not I. So I just found that was fascinating, again, from afar, to kind of put that forward and see what your take is on it. Yeah, um, definitely. I think, you know, in including the whole team and making them feel important and, and part of um, the growth, I think is really important. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's definitely no I in, in it. It's, it's definitely we, you know, Scott and my, myself, um, and then the rest of the team. It wouldn't have been possible if we didn't have that team to help us grow it. Um, so, so yeah, and then, and then guiding that team, you know, su super important as well. But I think delegating responsibility was, was a big, uh, really helped, you know, making them feel responsible and importance in the company and not just telling them to do something, um, you know, give them that responsibility and, and, and lead by example, I would say would be another one. Um, you know, I'm not going to tell someone to do something unless I've done it myself. Um, and unless I know, you know, what's involved with that job, what's, what kind of work goes into that? I'm not going to delegate that. To, and yeah. So leading by example, I think it's, yeah. Yeah. Is that kind of, yeah. 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 For sure. I love yeah, those two yeah, aspects, right? Delegate yeah, yeah. and lead by example. Yeah. Very tangible. But there's a lot of people mm. that might be tuning in. They're trying to build a business. They may be in senior leadership positions. Delegate is also one of the most, or delegation is one of the most difficult qualities to actually practice because it means you have to trust someone else. So do you have any tips on how you delegate? You know, what is your criteria, et cetera? It was very, very difficult at the start because I just wanted to do everything myself. Um, you know, it's always, if you want something done, you, you know, you do it yourself, but you can't do everything. Um, you, you burn out basically. And, and I've been there, done that with Scott as well. We used to do everything in the business, you know, finance, um, yeah, the sales, the teaching, the, but you can't do it all. So you need to trust in, in your employees and, and when they feel that you've got, you give them that trust, then they, they take, you know, responsibility of it. So, um, 
learning how to let go, um, but managing and controlling it in a way that that you're happy with. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's really cool. So one more question I'll hand back to to Laith, which, and this one actually doesn't have so much to do with surfing. It has more to do with relationships. At Rockport, we like to build a community. And I think it's fascinating that you reference your father early on. Can you maybe tell me a little bit about your relationship with your father and how much do you feel that he's influenced you as you've gone along this journey? Um, yeah, I think, you know, he's a big influence in my, in my life. Um, he's always pushed me to do what, what, what I believe in. Um, and, and my mom for that matter as well. Um, but, you know, when I graduated from university, um, it was either get into a nine to five job like everybody else was doing at the time. Um, but there was this nice opportunity to, to start up this surf business. And um, at the time, everyone just thought we were bums, you know, just enjoying ourselves on the beach. But both my mom and my dad were like, if this is what you want to do, and, and you know, this is your passion, this is what you love best, then, then do it. Um, and, and we'll support you wherever we can, which was, which was great. So I didn't I never get f- got forced into doing something I didn't want to do, basically. So I thank my parents for that and, and, and kind of supporting me through that as well. Yeah, so you had that environment of support and nurturing. And I guess that's come across in all these different aspects, right? Whether you're coaching a young kid who has very little experience or someone further up, right? Um, I actually have one more follow-up and then I'll hand back to Leif. I'm famous for one more follow-ups, right? Um, And this goes back to the surf component. So I'm a novice. I really have very little experience of the sea, I think. And during COVID or post-COVID, I think I spent more time at the beach in 12 months than I did in the previous five years, right? Um, And I think it's really interesting when you talk about surf culture, and I think there might be a lot of people tuning in, maybe they're not quite aware of what that term means. Like Mm -hmm. to you, what does surf culture constitute? So to me, surf culture is, you know, embracing nature, but we we have a beautiful ocean um, and it's it's riding uh, waves and and getting a rush from like riding natural elements. it's, it's, it's also um, a very healthy um, lifestyle, I believe. Um, you know, we're out there in the sun um, sur- surfing when you've, if you've done it for the first time, an hour and you'll be completely, you know, buggered. Um, so it's a very, very good workout. Um, it's, it's like-minded people hanging out and enjoying the same, you know, thrill of, of riding that wave. And uh, when you catch that first wave, you get that rush and you're always trying to um, kind of replicate that. So you, you end up going bigger waves, more steep waves. You end up traveling around the world and meeting all these other, you know, like-minded people and surfing, the, you know, waves in Bali, Australia. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's really much a, a culture as in it's not really a sport, it's a lifestyle, I would say. Um, and once you, once you get hooked, it's, it's like the mafia. Once you're in, you're in, you know, you, you, you literally, it's hard to ever get out. It's um, just constantly thriving for that. That thrill, that rush, that, that that's me personally, how I feel. About, Some, yeah. something, something that I, I like to think about sometimes is, yeah. um, is, is meditation. And we've spoken about it in this podcast uh, before. But surfing is a great example of one of the activities that you are entirely present There's a few things that happen, um, and and you and um, Dan will completely relate. First of all, what I I think is, okay, the paddling out, you're literally paddling um, 50 meters, 100 meters away from land. So you've got that physical disconnect from not not just your phone, you've 
the earth, the people, everything. It's very quiet out there. So um, that's why I think surfers truly love surfing much more than um, anything to do with a motor or a jet ski or or anything like that. It's it's quiet. Um, It's waiting as well. There's a patience to it. You kind of... um, You'll, you'll be sitting amongst other people, but usually it's pretty quiet. Like there's not that much chit-chat going on. Um, and then when the wave does come, it's just total focus on getting that wave. And then, of yeah. course, once you're on that wave, your mind is nowhere else. Your mind is definitely not thinking about your job or your, your girlfriend or, your, or any, anything. You're focused 100% on the, yeah. the weight on the toe, the weight on the, on the heel, the... It, it's very much breaking. in the moment sport, um, similar to meditation, but uh, so focused on, uh, like you said, in the moment. And and I think the moment when you get that the most would, is in the barrel. Um, if you've anyone experienced that before, it's it's literally everything switches off. You're there in that moment, and yeah, you're not thinking about anything else. Time slows um, down. Literally <laughs> feels like it slows down. It's a crazy feeling. Yeah, but um, you just switch off. And it's, you just hear the sound of the wave, kind of the power, the pressure of, of, of the ocean, you know, going over you, over the top of your head. And then you just get this tunnel vision where you just try and get out. And once you come out, you're just, you know, yeah. alive. It's amazing, amazing feeling. Yeah. Best experience. Best ever. experience ever. Yeah, 100%. We, we spent the, the morning with you this, earlier this week. Um, and I can see that you're in great shape, great physical shape. Um, so I'm definitely interested myself in um learning from learning from your uh, your physical routine uh and you may be happy to hear that since our morning together i've done two early morning swims amazing yeah in down, the ocean, at, down yeah. at your beach yeah oh yeah. wow yeah it's awesome how it good is the water feels in the morning amazing. yeah it's, it's so good right so yeah. flat clear so it's perfect yeah. it's absolutely perfect um bouncing into a um a couple of jellyfish but Luckily, they're not the stinging type. Yeah, yeah, there are. We do have a jellyfish season here, um, and it starts around now um, in the summertime, um, but it only lasts like a month or so. Yeah. And like you said, the this the stingray, so jellyfish, they're not um, like deadly, right? Yeah. So you can brush against them; they'll give you a little bit of a, an itch, but they're not right. like the blue bottles that you'll get in Australia or other right. countries. So, yeah. so it's nothing to worry about. Okay, good. No, that's perfect. What, and so, so I saw the physical routine. I saw the, um, I saw your your supplements. I saw your how you got to work. I thought it was really cool. You skateboard from from your house down by the beach to around the corner to the to the surf to house. The surf house, yeah, that's right. Um, Electric skateboard. Yeah, just just trying to be outside again and and you know not sit in a car totally and, and drive around. It just yeah move around um, freely and yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's electric as well. So you know you're not doing any harm to the environment. Even so even when right. you when you, you don't have so many waves, it's nice to do anything that's so like you're you've got your balance engaged and uh, that's it again. Just like getting that kind of rush of being on a board, um, anything anything board sports, just yeah. just love it. So yeah. if it's transport to work, totally. We d- we didn't see anything to, when when we spent time together, but I am interested. You know, what about the sort of the mindfulness practice, the anything for the um, or spirituality? You seem like someone who is very like Zen. You seem like someone who's really you know, well balanced and calm, and um, do you, do you, you? You mentioned earlier maybe yoga. How how important, if if at all, are any of these types of type of things? Yeah, definitely. I think um, you know, I get that I get that Zen from the water. Um, personally, that's that's rare. Really, kind of just switch off and you know, in the moment. Um, stretching is a big one. 
and just focusing on your breathing. Um, even if it's you're at work, you know, just for five minutes or even three minutes, just to focus on, yeah, you know, big in, in, inhales, long exhales, and do that 20 times, 10 times, and, you know, you just feel fresh again. A lot of people don't even actually think about breathing, right? So, um, yeah. So it's, 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 it's amazing for people who don't think about it or haven't just looked into it a little bit, like how important that, you know, most of us have these sort of our breaths up, up high in our chest and just holding that sort of anxiety. And all it is is just like just drop it down to the belly and just one nice deep breath and you feel, you just feel, feel much better. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing how you just don't even think about breathing, right? During yeah. the day, you just, yeah. And then when you actually do, it's like, wow, okay. You know, you just feel so much better. And where do you get your information from? Where do you get your, um, your information on breathing, your information on breath holding, your information on um, ice baths? Where, where, are yeah. you, where are you getting this info from? Um, I follow a lot of my, my um, kind of ambassadors, uh, as you say, like Laird Hamilton, um, if, if you know him, he's an all-round waterman, um, you know, anything from windsurfing, uh, surfing, um, big wave surfing. Um, he's, a, he's a real inspiration to me. So he, he has a few books. Um, so, so I've read those books. Kelly Slater would be another one. Um, he's very much into his mindfulness and his you know, whole approach to, to life. And I think that's why he's 11-time world champion is the approach that he does. Still on the pro tour at 40-something years old. 44, 45, it's I don't crazy. know. How, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Amazing to watch. Um, so, you know, it's people like that where I get a lot of information. And then it's just listening to your body as well and, and what works for you. Everyone's different. Um, you know, what works for me is not necessarily going to work for somebody mm. else. So... It's um, just being conscious of, of, of your body and, and when you do things, how it affects you, you know, mentally, physically, um, the changes that it has on you. So just learning, learning those stages. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting as well, like when I'm at the surf house, I'm having a coffee or eating a, an acai bowl, it's, it's often that there's, you hear the conversations going around. It's not that you're involved or any of your team's involved, but it's just the communities involved in you know, everyone is talking about, you know, healthy lifestyle, um, great ideas for, for better living. And uh, it's just part of, the, part of the psyche. You know, a lot of people say you only live once, right? Well, I think why not make the most of that, you know, and, and, and feel good um, during that. You know, everyone's like, oh, have a, you know, have a, have a piece of cake. Why not? Just you only live once and stuff. But, you know, I'd rather like live healthily and live, you know, um, yeah. 100%. Also, there's, there's one thing, like I'm going slightly off track, but if anyone, no one should be, have a big ego. No one should be, um, no, no one kind of has the right to have a big ego. But, you, you, you know, if someone was to see our social media and you've, you know, really kindly agreed to be one of our ambassadors and we're sharing some video content, some photographic content um, of the time that we spent with you at the, at the beach in the surf house, they would see someone who's like super good looking, super fit, um, who are you talking about? Here? <laughs> <laughs> no, like yeah. if and, and if anyone had the right to have some sort of ego, like it would be would be you. But like you're such like and and I've I've known you for quite a few years. Like you're such a good guy, such a genuine guy, such a an awesome, cool, relaxed, chilled guy. Um, is there a question here? I'm just wondering. Like, <laughs> thank you, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> it's the compliment section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Section, right? yeah. No, like, what yeah, is yeah. the question? It's just like you know, do you, where do you think that comes from? Your sort of humble, your humbleness. Um, I don't know. I think um, upbringing probably you know big aspect of it. Because um, you were brought up in in Dubai, you know what I mean. Like you could have been a, a yeah a spoiled little brat, I guess. Yeah, Dubai expat brat, right? So, right. Um, 
I think it's it's not taking life too seriously as well and, and just enjoying yourself and having fun and, you know, share whatever you knowledge you have with others. If it's going to improve them, then, then great. Um, but yeah, I would always try to better myself um, and getting inspiration from others. Um, you know, if you go out there and you surf and you, and you think you're, you know, the best top shit out there, there's always going to be someone else better than you, right? So um, yeah, it just kind of really humbles you. I think also surfing has been a big aspect of that, you know, going out to traveling to Bali and some, some real serious consequences where you have with waves, it kind of really puts you back to earth and then just shows you the power of, you know, the ocean and makes you realize how small you are in this planet, actually. Um, and, and I think those moments where you just get tumbling un, under, under the water and you think, oh, crap, I'm not going to make this, you know, I'm, this might be the, my last day on earth, kind of really just put you at level-headed, uh, minded. You know? yeah. So, yeah, it, it's, it's getting out there, being in your uncomfort zone um, and, and experiencing Keeping like, things in perspective. In perspective, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, what are you most proud of? Um, I don't know. Like I said, I think always trying to improve myself and, um, you know, proud of what we've developed here at, at, in Dubai and really putting kind of Dubai on the map as a, as a surfing destination, which was always one of our goals from the start was to, you know, a lot of people still say now that there's, there's no waves in Dubai, um, but it's, it's showing the rest of the world that you can actually, you know, enjoy that here in the Middle East. And I think what we've created here and community that we've, we've built, I'm, you know, proud of that. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And you should be. Yeah, you should yeah, be. Yeah. And um, obviously my, my family that I have now, and hopefully we can, uh, you know, yeah, grow, grow them into, you know, confident, Young, young boys. I bet. Uh, yeah. I bet, they, I bet yeah, you're yeah. doing an amazing job with them. Now, who do you think of when you think of, of success? Success. Um, I mean, success is, well, it's a, it's a quite broad word, right? I mean, someone can be successful in, in business. Someone can be successful in, in, in just life in general. Um, so success would be someone who's achieved something that they you know, have really been passionate about. They've, they've kind of strived for their goal and, and they've succeeded. Um, so Kelly Slater, he's, he's the most successful person in surfing, right? I, I, I think personally. So he's, he's successful. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. Like I think you, you identified some of your, your role yeah. models earlier and I thought mm. you, you'd probably think of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh. Um, <clears throat> Otherwise, I'm, I'm going to go to personal care. Yeah, yeah, sure. So one of the things that we are big proponents of in Rockpool is the need to have a balanced lifestyle. Work, family, hobbies, etc. right? You're a father of four. We haven't talked about fatherhood so much in this conversation. Tell us, what does that mean to you? You're, you're, you're working with a business. You have a wife. You have four beautiful kids. Talk us through what that means. So um, I think before um, I was just work, 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 work. I was a, you know, almost a workaholic with working, you know, 12, 14 hours a day. Um, had no time for anything else. Um, and then started having kids. And that kind of really changed my perspective of, um, you know, the, the work. There's more to life than, than just working um, every day. 
and we were lucky at the time we'd established um, a company that could self-sustain uh, sustain itself and and our team again and in, instilling that trust into them that if I stepped out that the job would still get done so we worked hard at that and then that meant that we could then you know focus on other things um, in, in our lives and one of those would be obviously family time so whenever I finish my, my work, um, I always make sure I spend at least like three to four hours just with the kids um, and enjoy that moment. And you know, phone, try and put away um, any other stuff that, you know, is kind of distracting. Just put that aside and then focus on that time. Um, so, you know, when it's, it's the morning routine when you're swimming. You're in that moment when you're working. You're getting your work done. When you're at home with your family, you're, you're, you're doing that. So... It's difficult, of course, and, and no one's perfect. And, you know, I, I might get the old call or message where I need to answer and stuff, but I try to really focus on, on what I'm doing at the time. And, and managing that would be, you know, just, just giving time throughout the day for um, specifically, you know, doing that one thing at one time. Yeah. That makes sense, yeah. And on that concept of parenting, do you yeah. have any tips? And a lot of people are hung up on being the perfect parent, quote-unquote, right? Yeah. No such thing exists, right? No ways. But, no but, ways yeah. but what's your take on parenthood? How do you approach it? it? It's challenging, 100%. And, you know, no one's perfect. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to, you know, get frustrated. You're going to get angry. You're going to, there's always up and down times. It's how, it's how you manage that and how you deal with it, I think, is the most important part. Um, you know, in a time when you feel like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Um, again, you just got to keep keep going. And then you get that one moment where, your son will come up to you and say, oh, dad, I love you and give you a big hug and kiss. And it's just like, wow, okay, everything's so worth what I've just been, you know, doing. So um, it all pays off in the end. Yeah. Because my concept on parenting is really you're a coach, a mentor, and that runs through so many different aspects of life, right? So if we take that example and maybe apply it to, I think it's Thomas Bay that we talked about earlier, is there anything specific that you've done with him from a coaching or mentoring perspective or even from a support standpoint that's contributed or helped him along his journey? Well, I mean, I think we just gave him access to to the sport and, and, and taught him the, the fundamentals of it. And then the rest of it, I think it was down to him. And like my first son, I really wanted him to surf, really, really wanted it. And I pushed him too hard and I learned that mistake. And now with my other three, I know that I'm not going to push them in too hard because it, it went the opposite direction for him. He then didn't want to go to the beach. He didn't want anything to do about surfing. He was scared, you know, so kind of just pushed him too hard. So now I know I learned that mistake. I have three other chances, but I don't know. I think as he gets, gets older, he'll, he'll get back into it eventually. But uh, I know I'm not going to force my kids into anything now. I'll give them the access to it and, and guide them as much as I can and let them make their choices. And, um, I'll definitely push them a bit. Like, I'm not going to say, oh, just do whatever you want. I'm definitely going to, you know, push them a bit, but just not too much. So that's one lesson I learned with kid number one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If that answers yeah, your yeah, question. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you had one to practice with. So. Well, one to practice with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's still okay, though. He's not, he's not <laughs> destroyed. Sure. Yeah. No, what I'm age sure. is your kids? Uh, so the, the first one will be turning 10 uh, next month. Second one's four, turning five soon. And then I have twins, uh, the nice. last ones. Oh, wow. And they're wow. almost three. Two boys again? Uh, so four boys. Yeah, wow. four boys, yeah. Wow. We, we, we tried for a girl, <laughs> but ended up with twin boys in the end. So. <laughs> the last time. That's, that's, yeah. that's awesome. Okay, so I'm going to bring it round to the, uh, some, some of the personal care stuff. Yeah? Have we missed anything? Do you, do you think we've missed anything or before we... 
I think it's been really good so far, honestly. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's been some beautiful moments. No. No, no, no. Not at all. Okay. So personal care is linked to appearance. Appearance is linked to confidence and looking and feeling your best self. At least that's how I think of it. Um, so I'd be interested to hear like your take on, on personal care, you know, skin care, hair care. Are you into it? Are you not? Yeah. I think uh, men's health care um, has really changed over the years. Um, you know, they had all these places. It was, it was a woman's thing to do, right? To take care of yourself. And but it's really changed. Um, and, and why not, you know, take care of yourself as a man as well? Um, so, you know, the, the whole grooming of, of the beard um, really came in. I don't know how many years ago now, but it's, it's, it's really, for me anyways, when I get a shave, I just feel super clean and yeah, more, more kind of approachable, more, um, you know, ready for, for, for anything. It was so, interesting, so. like again, the COVID thing when, when so much got closed down and you realized what you can give up and what, what is really important to you. What I found was like, I discovered coffee is really important to me and uh, I need to have my supply of coffee and having a haircut and having my beard trimmed is, is really important. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, you know, just be looking presentable, um, I think is, is, it just gives you that more confidence, right? As well. Um, when you're in a meeting and you know, you got to secure this deal, I don't want to go all scruffy and just, just not feeling, you know, ready. So yeah, I think grooming and, and looking kind of good, although I'm a, a beach guy and I love, you know, just the salt in the hair and everything. Um, but there, there's, there's times for everything, right? There's time for, for that when you're in the ocean. And then when you're having a business meeting or, you know, looking for a new investment or something, you know, you've got to kind of look the part as well. Exactly. So, yeah. and I think it's, it's also tied to the idea of um, the physique and the, the fitness. Um, yeah. I, I, and I'm sure you do as well, you, you do fitness because it makes you feel better overall. But there is yeah. a part to it that I want to look my best, you know, and I do it not for anyone else, but I do it for myself. For yourself, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean... Yeah, if I if I have a summer and I just kind of binge out and you know I don't don't look good, I don't feel good as well. Um, so yeah, just keeping up that kind of health and that that physique is is a massive aspect for me. Exactly. So, yeah. so what about so when I came to see you uh, a couple of days ago, we followed you. It was an outdoor shower, so you were actually wearing your board shorts, so it wasn't too personal. Yeah. Um, but from what I observed, there was a um, a good quality face wash, a cleanser. Uh, you followed that up with uh, with a serum, um, and then a moisturizer. So is this is this a daily is this the daily routine? Yeah. So because I'm exposed to to the elements quite a lot, you know, with the salt, the sun, um, it's quite extreme out here. I've I've noticed, especially as I'm aging, you know, I've got to take care of my skin more. Otherwise, I'm going to become an old leather you know leather back if I don't watch out. So um, only recently, I've I've really started to take take care more of my skin. Um, so a face wash, a good face wash, um, just to kind of, you know, cleanse yourself, get rid of all the oils and, um, yeah, but keep those natural oils, I think is really important as well, not to kill everything on your face. Um, and then a, a, a good moisturizer, um, and a, a serum every now and again as well, just to kind of yeah, rejuvenate those, yeah. those natural oils. Yeah, no, exactly. It's, it's really, it's really important what you said about, you know, make sure you're choosing the right products with, um, to make sure that you, if you're doing the effort to look after yourself, you don't want it to have an adverse effect and you want, you don't want to be stripping, um, the natural oils off the face and actually putting yourself in a worse uh, situation. Yeah. 
because that's the thing. Um, you know, a lot of people use those products and then it, they just end up having their skin like, you know, depends on it and they have to keep using it and keep using it. And it's, um, yeah, it's damaging to, to your skin, right? So it's really important to I try and use everything as natural as possible, um, as I'm sure a lot of people do as well. And I think that whole natural is, is really changing. Um, you know, people are refusing to use anything that has you know, certain ingredients in it. So I think that's a good thing as well. Um, you know, not only for us, but also for the environment as well. Yeah. So we seem to be doing something right because you're you're looking good. Skin <laughs> and hair is uh, on point. Yeah, it's yeah, getting older, but uh, trying to trying to do my best. Yeah. Okay, Dan. So, well, thank you so much. Thank you for your time today and for the other morning when when we spent some time with you. Yeah, it was fun, man. That was a really good experience. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. That's the end of episode 005. We'll be back next week with another installment of the Routine Podcast. If you have any feedback or would like to chat about anything at all, you can email me at laith at rockpool.co or send us a message via our Instagram page. Thanks for listening.